Welcome to Might in Motion, where we help you navigate your personal and professional goals to manifest them into your deserved career and life path. Here at Might in Motion, we don't make excuses. We do the work and go above and beyond. The Might in Motion podcast brings you guests that will help stretch you out of your comfort zone and push you to improve your goals. Like, comment, and share. This is Might in Motion. I am so excited um, to welcome Tim Bass uh, to the floor today. I'm Tim, you are the CEO of Heroes Veritas. You are a confidence and self-respect coach, the host of the Heroes Veritas podcast, which by the way, I listen to when I'm working out, you are on my rotation. So you're in my headphones while I'm lifting. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad or weird, but uh, you are. So I apparently I still have you on mute. So let me unmute you because I can't wait to hear from you, man. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Oh, I can't hear you. Are you muted on your side? Can you hear me now? I can. You know, I have this mic and I got it recently to upgrade the production quality of the podcast, but it's got a touch mute, but it doesn't <laughs> tell you when it's muted. So I will bump it on accident from time to time and be talking and people are like, yeah, I can't hear you. So I've got a headphone set for work and it's the same thing. So yeah, if you I just move it, it a or something to tell me, hey, I'm muted, but it doesn't. But no, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I really love the uh, do the work, and I apologize, I don't remember, but it aligns really, really well with what I do with Heroes Veritas, especially with my confidence clients. So we focus on rich, which is responsibility, right? Uh, integrity, courage, and honor. So nice. those four principles kind of fall into those same dynamic of doing the work, taking responsibility, no excuses. Um, so it's very aligned in regards to that. So I really like seeing that. Oh, awesome. Well, I, you know, we are kindred spirits. Yeah, we met in person. We're like, okay, this is this is awesome. So, so a lot of the people that I connect with on LinkedIn and through coaching and through teams that I have led over the years, um, you may not know, twenty years corporate America, led a ton of teams, and helped a lot of new managers. Um, boundaries are really hard. Mm -hmm. It's super duper hard. Like, right. They're, they're hard in your personal life, but they're also hard in your professional life. And I know that that's something that you really focus on in your coaching group. Can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, definitely. Actually, um, I would argue that in the business space, boundaries are a lot easier uh, mm -hmm. than our interpersonal relationships. And the reason for that is you feel in a business setting that you have the right to speak what you need into existence. Yeah. In our interpersonal life, a lot of times we've been led through various reasons and experiences to believe that we're not worthy of maintaining a boundary. And so then it creates this paradigm. I was recently talking to somebody in the love language space. Uh, women see love as nurturing compassion. Men see love as respect. Yeah. And so it creates a, a paradigm issue when they're trying to connect. They're saying the same things, but they're viewing it separately. And so kind of putting those together through the lens and the fog of war of this mm -hmm. is my trauma, this is your trauma. How do you communicate and get those things connected? That's where I started to create the setting the perimeter methodology. Um, set the perimeter methodology is something that I've heard articulated in the past, but never in the space of 
the entire relationship circle. And when I say the entire relationship circle, I think a lot of times people look for tactics just for business, or they look for tactics just for the relationship, or they look for tactics just as a mom, just as a dad. Mm -hmm. And the reality is we're all human. We all have the same mechanisms. We all have the same trigger points. And our experiences determine whether or not they're keyed up or they're low keyed. And when we approach it from a compartmentalized space, well, this is how I talk with my boss, but this is how I talk with my spouse. It creates a, a dynamic that we're uncomfortable with. And that's what leads people to start feeling like they're wearing a mask, right? Oh, Especially yeah. guys in like the police or the military, they start to get used to the chaos that's controlled in, in, in mm -hmm. the hectic world of their physical lives because they're allowed to have that control. But when they go home, they feel disconnected from the relationship side because they can't use that same chaos back here. And so yeah. setting a perimeter allows you to hold boundaries without having that, I will say, blockade of worthiness in between. Because a lot of times when it comes to interpersonal, especially, I'm not worthy of love. Therefore, I'm not worthy to hold my boundaries. And I'm scared yeah. they'll leave if I hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's powerful because you're absolutely spot on when it comes to that work piece versus personal side. Right. And as somebody who I had to transition from working in the office to working remotely when, you know, everything went crazy. And what was interesting for me is feedback from my husband. He's like, I hear you on these calls and you're this person. And then as soon as you hang up, it's like this whole other person shows up. And, and I had not really had that aha moment before because I had, you know, a 45 minute commute. So me at work could be left at work. So by the time I got home, you know, all, all he ever saw, the kids ever saw was like that personal side. So yeah, it's, it's, that is an interesting, interesting uh, perspective yeah, right. there. Yeah. So a lot of people that went through that same mechanism of shift, right. Yeah. Going from working at a job where they're driving anywhere from 20 to an hour, 20 minutes to an hour. Um, I call those parentheses they yes. create a breath in your life. And that breath is where you recalibrate who you're going to show up as mm -hmm. moving into that space. Right. So if you, if you think about like, I use the gym a lot, a lot of people, mm -hmm they don't like home gyms because they don't get the breath. I'm like that. I'm a huge yeah. gym body. I love going to the gym. But part of that mechanism for me is that separation between I shut down work Tim, home Tim, friend Tim, whatever. And now I'm in workout Tim where it's just me and my thoughts. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to talk to you. I just want to go in and lift. Yeah. If, when I didn't have that parenthesis, when I didn't have that, okay, I'm going to commute from here to the gym because I have a home gym. Yep. I realized very quickly I could not get the same workout in my home gym as mm -hmm. I could at the regular gym. And it wasn't because I had the wrong equipment. It wasn't because the atmosphere was wrong. It was purely because the brain mechanism of saying, okay, my anchor point is that drive yeah. to where now I'm setting, I'm setting the boundary that this is my space. Once I lost that, I no longer had an anchor point to identify and say, this is not my space. Yep. And that's yeah. where you get the mess. Like I was saying earlier, like you start to have these, shifts in personality or, or compartmentalization. And those are critical. Those compartmentalizations is part of, like I said earlier, the setting the perimeter methodology. It's just whether or not those compartmentalizations are intentional, they're yeah. functional, and they actually serve you. Most of us, they don't serve us. Yeah. Most of us, we assume them. What I mean by that is somewhere in our life, somebody said, this is the compartmental 
setup that you need to have. Yep. And we assume that that's what works for us because other people have communicated that to us. And so what the setting the perimeter methodology does with my clients, with anybody that I speak to really, is it gives you back the power to make that decision. Right. You start to discern the difference between who's viable for that information as a source or as a use of energy, bandwidth, resources, and who isn't. Mm -hmm. We don't do that intentionally right now. Whoever's there, they get what we believe full open or full closed. That's usually how people are. Right. I get everything. And then I feel exhausted. And then I feel drained. And then I don't know what to do. And I feel bad or guilty for taking time for myself to either work out or go to the store or do my laundry. Yeah. Or it's full closed. And it's like, well, I don't want to be a burden. Mm -hmm. I don't want them to feel like I'm taking from them because I don't feel like I'm worthy of that burden. Right. Setting the perimeter does two things simultaneously. One, it allows you to stop feeling like a burden because you've allocated the time to know what value you're bringing to the table as well as what value you need back in order to make that worth it. Mm -hmm. And two, it allows you to discern whose value makes the most sense for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you get to control that space. You get to decide who is worthy of your time, resources, and energy instead of it just being while well, they're in the pro close proximity. So right. that's, what right. that's what I do. And once you start to get better at it, and I say get better at it because it's a skill you have to learn. It yeah. isn't something that you develop by, you know, stumbling upon it. Right. In the beginning, when I start telling people, hey, set the perimeter, they're like, well, what if they get mad at me? You mean, mm -hmm. what if they have a negative emotional response to a boundary? That's called a consequence. And yeah. you should be allowed to implement consequences. If you are not allowed to implement consequences, that is your number one indicator that you are not holding a proper social contract with that individual and yeah. they are not respecting you. Yeah. And if people don't listen to you and don't respect you, they shouldn't be in your life. That's a yeah. pretty easy thing to tie down. Yeah. So I know like, um, and I'm going to share one of the sli this, uh, slide that you put together. I'm going to see if mm -hmm. I can get, get things to work today. Let's see. It's going to let me, uh, switch my screen here. Oh, no, nope, I don't want that one. I want both of us. There we go. Um, and so I, I think what was interesting about this is the visual, right, of that there's different boundaries. Yes. It's not just one, right, which is I thought was really, really cool. Um, for those of you, us that folks that might just be listening to this, can you talk a little bit about the inner sanctum, the outer uh, enclosure and the wilds? Yeah, definitely. So um, part of this is it's thematic. Right. It, it's 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 meant to res resonate from the fictional side of the house. So kingdoms, mm -hmm. kings and queens, uh, Heroes Veritas, which is my company. Um, we are leaders in developing personal sovereignty. So we focus on kind of the, the the theme of kings, queens, castles, princes, princesses, because it gives you a uh, consistent language. Yes. So for anybody listening to this, as I'm here, as I'm saying, inner sanctum or outer enclosure, you're like, wait, what are you talking about? A barn, a ranch? <laughs> the language is, is appropriated from castles. Yeah. Okay. So just some background historically, castles didn't have a single yard. Castles had an inner sanctum. This is where you're going to have your royal family. This is where you're going to have your inner guard, your, your most trusted counsel and advisors. Then they had an outer enclosure. This is going to be where you're kind of neutral ground is. This is where your serfs live or peasants, people mm -hmm. that aren't at court, but are under your protection. This is where your markets are going to be. Your communal spaces are going to be here. This is where your trade takes place. And then the wilds is anything outside of your perimeter that you either have to patrol with a, with a group of armed people mm -hmm. or let it go. And you have to understand yeah. where that works. And so that's the kind of the ideology behind this methodology. 
So for those that can't see and are just listening, um, there are some key phrases that I'm going to use that I want to describe here. You're going to have assets, you're going to have liabilities, and then you're going to have abundance and scarcity. Okay. Mm -hmm. The reason that these terms are extremely critical is because they help identify where people, places, and things fall within your, within your perimeter. Okay? okay. So an asset is a relationship or an item that brings equal or more value than it takes from you. So what I mean by that is we all know energy vampires. We know all the people yes. that take more than they bring to the table. An asset is somebody where you go, I don't even know why this person is here because all I do is take from them and they just keep giving and giving and giving. That's an asset. Yes. Now, a liability is that energy vampire we just mentioned that that yep. liability that person that takes less value than they bring back to the table now the caveat to these two ideologies uh or at least concepts come in the form of how long you're playing the measurement what okay. i mean by that is a mother is a long-term measurement mm -hmm. a newfound friend is a short-term measurement Mm -hmm. A mother may be leveraged as an asset despite her not taking and adding a lot to your relationship in a single moment to moment, but over the breadth and width of your relationship as mother and child, she is adding more than she's taking. That right. isn't always the case. Some mothers don't, some fathers don't. Everybody's situation is different. Versus a short-term, say a business deal, mm -hmm. I'm going to assess you as an asset or a liability within the confines of our dealings. So if our project lasts one month, I'm going to label you as an asset or liability within that one month, because I assume you're not going to add any value outside of that preconceived yep. time frame, right? So somebody in a month can be a liability, but in a year could be an asset. Right. So that's a little bit more um, down the line, but just in the simplicity sake, assets and liabilities are how you start to define where they, where they land. Yep. And then abundance and scarcity. Now, these are kind of buzzwords right now. Think abundantly. Yes. <laughs> from a place of scarcity. And I think a lot of people misunderstand what that means. Okay. For instance, a lot of people nowadays is like, I spend abundance because I know money will come back. And then they go and they spend their car payment on a night out on champagne right. and drunk or whatever. Right. It's like, that's not spending abundantly. That's spending ignorantly. You're Correct. not taking into account the consequence of your actions. Abundance is a state of excess time, energy, and resources. And I didn't put this on here and I should have without negative impact to your bottom line, to your okay. bare field, your bare needs. Scarcity is when you are in a state of lack or gross lack where you don't have enough, where anything you do is going to negatively affect your, your perimeter or your, your kingdom, for okay. lack of a better term, your people, right? So if I'm yeah. a husband and I have two kids and a wife, buying a $80,000 sports car when we're still struggling to pay the rent would be a, a place of scarcity, right. okay? I would be working in a place of scarcity. However, if we have $100,000 in the bank and I go and get a $90,000 lease, I can cover it with my liquid asset. Right. So that's the state of abundance. And the same thing goes for people. If I know energetically, I'm in a state of abundance. I'm happy. I'm excited. I'm energized. I'm ready to go. I'm rearing to go. I can put myself out there and assist people in levering, leveling to my plane mm -hmm. if they want to. But if right. I'm in a state of lack, meaning I'm depressed, sad, you know, consequentially, I was in the state last week. I was down. I was depressed. I was burnt out. I was fed up. I was very, very tired. I went to my team and I said, here's the deal. I love you guys, but I'm going to come off very snarky. So I call my, my VPs and myself, the triumvirate. There's three of us. Yep. I love them to death. They got my back through it thick and thin. 
But they know that when I tell them that, if I come across as sharp, short, or curt, not to take it personally, I'm just in a low. I'm in right. scarcity. So I'm thinking from a place of scarcity. So those are why those terms are on there. Right. Now, I'm trying to rush through this. So if I'm going too fast, please, somebody let me know. Well, and, well, I think what's interesting, or at least for me, what popped into my mind was I've had people that have moved between these different areas in my life. People who used to be like in my inner sanctum be, have now moved into the wild. And I'm just like, because they just, they aren't that, they may have become that energy vampire that you talked about. And, you know, and I've had people that have moved the other way. So I think it's interesting that, you know, you talk about these different kind of levels, if you will. Um, and for me personally, I know that I've had people shift in between. And they should. Mm -hmm. and, and here's the rub that a lot of people get into, especially in my clients. I tell people all the time, there's a point that you're going to get to where you're going to start to energetically level up. Yes. Because you're going to start speaking into existence, your own boundaries. You're going to start holding those boundaries. Yes. What that's going to yes. do is it's going to disrupt the relationship, social contracts that you have with people who may be used to being able to take advantage and know you're there whenever they need you. And all of a sudden you start to take confidence and you're like, you know what? This isn't serving me. Hey, I just don't have the time. I'm not going to go for drinks with you. I'm not going to go party with you. I'm not going to do anything but focus on my business. And as a result, you are in charge of breaking that social contract because when they met you, the social contract was X. And now you're saying, well, I've leveled up. So I'm going to present you a new social contract. You can remain in my inner sanctum if you can make agreements and consolidate to this new social contract, or you can be moved outward as necessary based on this new social contract. They're under no obligation to stay with you that whole time. And if yes. you're actively auditing your assets and liabilities properly, and you're actively moving forward and progressing in your life and in your growth and towards a goal, you will always see people fall in and out of these categories as well as, and this is another part that's really interesting. Uh, and I, and I call it out here and I'll cover this in a second. You're going to have different priorities when you're in abundance versus when you're in scarcity. Yes. A person who is an asset when you're in abundance may be a liability when you're in scarcity because yeah. they take more than they bring to the table. Yes. Yeah. So if they're, if, if your priority is in abundance, you're going to have a different looking inner sanctum, outer enclosure and wilds than when you're in scarcity, because you're going to have mm -hmm. to manage your resources more closely. Yeah. So yeah. with that, let's get into the, the structures of this. Okay. So your inner sanctum, your inner sanctum is your trusted consigliaries and confidants. This is, this is your family. Now, I say family, but I don't mean family by blood. Correct. I mean yeah. family by way of nurturing a positive and functional relationship that is successfully progressive on both sides. Right. Mutually beneficial, reconcilable between the two parties. I have more family that are not blood than I have family that are blood. Yeah, if you want to do great things, you're going to end up finding that's going to be the case nine times out of ten. Right. And the reason why is because you're coming from the same place that your blood family did, but you're doing more with it. And that's going to rub their demons the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And they're going to start to seek reasons and argue ad hominem against your character. Why you shouldn't be going for that. You yeah. really, you're not that person. You're not, you're not credible for that. We hear that a lot. Right. So part of setting the perimeter, the importance of it is I hear a lot of people, how do I garner support? Stop mm. asking yeah. How do I garner support? Stop asking for it. You don't need to be valid. You don't need to be understood. And they don't have to agree with you to succeed. Right. You shine your light, stay the course, and they'll either find their way to your shore or they won't. Right. And that's okay. 
becoming okay with that is part of the benefit of setting the perimeters because after you get out of that, you're like, all right, I'm in an abundant state. I'm going to go to the moon. They're like, yeah, but there's no way we grew up in the same. You're who are you kidding? Right. Who do you, you think you, you are? There's no way. Yeah. Who, who do you think you are? Yeah. And you go, oh, cool. watch, move them to the outer enclosure and go to the moon. Right. And what you find is that the opportunity will present itself because you become mission oriented. People will find their way in your inner sanctum based on the mission that you target. Yeah. And this doesn't just be a business. It could be, I want to have a happy marriage. Right. If you set your perimeter, I want to have a happy marriage, then you have to then elicit a set of pr- criteria that a happy marriage exists in your mind. If you have not defined this, then hope is not a plan. Correct. And not a strategy whatsoever. Not yep. a strategy whatsoever. So if, if you want to have the happy marriage, then you have to identify for yourself, what do I even mean by that? Because happy right. is subjective, right? An introvert will love the opportunity to sit alone in an eight hours and see their partner for only two hours and they don't say anything. They just watch a show together. But an extrovert will be like, I want to go on an adventure and hike. Right. What is happy for you, right? So your inner sanctum is going to be your family, your close friends, your consigliaries and counsel. Consigliaries and counsel sometimes are the same. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're different. Mm-hmm. There are people that I trust that can speak for me. Those are my consigliaries. They, I know that they know me well enough to where they can go out, like my VP of operations. He right. can go out and be like, Tim said, Tim would say X, okay? Right. He'd come back to me, hey, I said this. Are you good with that? 100%. Or, yep. bro, don't do that again. I don't like that. Right. But we have I mean, I think you be, people build, when you build really strong teams too at work, it's, it's not just like your personal thing, but it, when you build those strong teams, they start operating in that exact same function. Yes. Yes, Which is, that's when you really start humming, right? That's when you know everybody's in, going the same direction and you're able to just achieve so much more. Well, that should be your that. goal. That should yeah. be your goal. Because yep. what it does is it takes away the necessary bandwidth of all of the, hey, are you okay with this? Is right. this good with you? Do you right. like right now when we first started with my with the triumvirate with the three of us, there was a lot of like, hey, just CCing for awareness just kind of feeling it out. You good with this. But now it's like, Hey, just so you know, I did yeah, this thing. This is what I did. Mm-hmm. Not the flow, And you can then reallocate time and, and, and readjust if need be, but it doesn't stop anything. That's Correct. your, that's your safe space, or it should be your safe space for your inner sanctum. It takes a lot to run a kingdom. Yes. No king, no queen has ever run a kingdom by themselves. It has been with counsel. It has been with advisors. It has been with their, their significant other, especially, um, a lot of times when I say kings and queens, women specifically will go, well, I don't want to serve a king. I was like, you do realize that kingdoms rise and fall on the word of the queen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, and this is why setting the parameters is so important for men to pick the right spouse. While you're out expanding the kingdom, she's the one keeping the gesture out of the throne. Right. And if she's not doing that because she doesn't trust you, there goes your kingdom. It's not your kingdom anymore. You're going to come right. back to a place that's usurped by somebody else. That's the reality of the, of this, of the system. And so- Moving from the inner sanctum, in abundance priority, inner sanctum, whether you're in abundance or scarcity, is always your priority of, of resources. Okay. Always serve the people in your inner sanctum. Your job as the sovereign of your state, of your people, is to add as much value as you possibly can to your inner sanctum so that they never have to question your loyalty or trust with mm-hmm. them. Yes. What that does for you is in turn they feel obligated just by human psyche to serve back. Yep. And if they don't, they become extremely uncomfortable and they find them way their own way out of your sanctum. So inner sanctum 
is always about add, 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 add guidance, add value, add resources, add energy, add time, always be managing your inner sanctum. The minute you turn a blind eye to your inner sanctum is the minute you get a snake in the grass. Yes. That's Ward. That's, you know, Marcus Aurelius, whoever you want to quote, that is exactly what they say. Because they're the ones that have the most knowledge of your inner workings. Therefore, they're the first ones to subvert that program. And so if you're not fostering your inner sanctum, it's I heard this quote a couple months ago and I absolutely love it. Be careful who's on your ship because some people will drill holes in your ship just because they can't be the captain. Yes. And so that's what happens in the inner sanctum if you're not nurturing it. Yeah. They'll start to drill holes in your ship because they want to lead and they want to be the captain, but they're not willing to step to you and say, hey, I don't like this or whatever, because you haven't built that trust mechanism for them to come to you and challenge you. Right. And this gets into a whole other thing like leadership principles, which I teach as well and how to communicate effectively. But you need to be nurturing your inner sanctum. Yes. Moving outward, your outer enclosure, this is going to be your friends and acquaintances that you don't have the highest level of trust with. Okay. Right. What I mean by that is if you tell them something, it might end up in the whole circle of friends. If you, you know, share successes with them, they might get envious or jealous. Yeah. Or they want to downplay you, right? These are the Mm -hmm. friends that you've known a long time, but they're not on the same path as you. Mm -hmm. You can still give them time, but it's not as big of a priority as your inner sanctum. Right. You might give them once a week, once every couple of weeks, once a month. Um, this also happens with narcissistic parents. Uh, keep them out here. Okay. Yes. Narcissistic parents, which I have experience with um, helping clients, myself included. Part of the thing with narcissism, they want control. And so if you're doing things that makes them uncomfortable, they're going to want to try and hold you to their standard that they can't understand why you're doing it your way. Right. It's not a bad thing. It's just being realistic about what's happening. So if you want to foster a proper relationship, be honest about what they need from you and what you need from them, and then keep them in the outer enclosure so that they can't subvert the other workings of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, for sake of example, my mother, she loves me to death. She's very protective. She wants me to do things her way. Right. What I've done is I fostered, I will speak to you once every couple of weeks or once a month. I will catch you up on what has happened, but I will not tell you what is coming. Yeah. That allows her to feel part of my life, but it allows me to feel like I'm in control. Right. She's an outer enclosure. Now, the cool thing about the outer enclosure, to your point earlier, is they can move in and out. You know you can trust them enough to put resources into them, especially if they're in in abundance. So when they're in the outer enclosure, especially in abundance, most people in the outer enclosure will feel like they're in the inner sanctum. Yes. When you're in abundance. Yeah. It only becomes a rub when you become scarce. Right. Energy goes low. They're the first ones you cut out. They're the the first ones that you don't want to put resources in, so on and so forth. And so these are, you know, also your business allegiances, your allies, your trades of goods, your services, your one-time conversations that were very, very fruitful. You connected very, very well. Um, but there's no energy spent else outside of that because there's no reason to. The, the deal was right. done and you had a good experience. And maybe there's future ones that may bring them, keep them in the outer enclosure, right? Like the market style, like I mentioned earlier. But you don't have to move them into the inner sanctum because they haven't earned a place there. And that's right. okay. This outer enclosure has an abundance priority of secondary, which means even in abundance, they're not going to take a whole lot of time and energy, especially if it's detracting you from your people back here. Uh, scarcity, they're tertiary priority, which means if I got it, I'll give it. But for the most right. part, you're not getting nothing from it. Right. Now, uh, it's important to note, and actually I'll cover this one thing before I note this, the wilds. The wilds are exactly what it's supposed to be. It's absolute chaos. There's zero control. It's outside of your spectrum. 
Now, what most people don't realize is even though social media has made us feel like we can connect with a lot of people, the human brain is only wired to handle about 100 to 150 connections at any given time. Right. The minute you hit 101 or 151, depending on the person, somebody's got to go. Yep. So this structure allows us to decide who that is. And in the wilds, mm. these are your strangers, your leeches, and mm -hmm. your liability. What I mean by that is strangers, obviously pretty self-explanatory. I don't know you, dude. So you don't get access to me and my resources, except for I will give you the grace of respect because that's what I want my character to be. Yep. I will give you the grace of trust because that's what I want my character to be. But you haven't actually earned it. Yeah. And you are, you're literally on a tightrope. You can go one way or the other and, and I may never talk to you again. Leeches. Leeches are people who only keep you in their circle so that they can leverage you for either ego, resources, time, or energy. Mm. Mm -hmm. and we all know those people. Like as soon as you say that, you have somebody that popped in your mind, right? Yep. Somebody is in there, right? Uh, it could be an ex. It could be a, it could be a, a, a significant other that's an ex. It could be somebody that's current. It could be a right. best friend that used to be a best friend and now they're, you don't talk to them at all. Um, we all have people in our life that have entered into that realm. Yep. And again, abundance priority, tertiary in abundance. You take it or leave it. If you want time with them, um, if you want to be able to like interact with them and keep it cordial, fine. Add some, some time with them, whatever, in abundance. I recommend not doing anything solo. <laughs> Spend right. time as a group because it helps protect you and it helps them feel like they're, they're still included. in peace, but they're not, yes. they're not too far down, right? Yeah. But in scarcity, no factor. No factor means you don't give them a thought whatsoever. They do not exist. Now, the thought that I was going to bring up, and I'll end with this, um, that a lot of people fail to do is they do not, one, prioritize the value of opinion. The beauty yes. of the priorities is that you get to identify who gets the value of your opinion. Mm -hmm. I talk about discernment as a leader um, a lot. Uh, as a sovereign person, one who's free to make their own decisions, you have to develop your own discernment as a leader, the ability to decide whose opinion matters. Mm -hmm. The setting the perimeter framework allows you to create framework until you can do it on the fly. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. The beauty of this is, like you said, people can move, people can progress and you get better at it. Whereas in, in you know, at first you put it on paper, this person drains me, this person, blah, blah, blah. Over time, you're like, you know, I'm not feeling good with this. My intuition says no, so I'm going to discern you're out. Right. The problem is we have never taught discernment as mm. a leader. And men feel this the most because they go from zero to 18 under the tutelage of a parent and then maybe military told him what to do. And then it's like, hey, go lead, go be a father, go do these things. Why aren't right. you a better leader? Well, nobody actually taught that discernment, which is part of the reason I started Heroes Veritas. I think and what's so interesting is that I think as a female, we're more adept at moving people in and out of these different circles. Yes, and there's a reason for that. Because even like, I, like I, I have in my mind, I, I had somebody who was a, real, was a good friend for a very long time, kind of got a little distant, reached out. We had lunch one day. I After lunch, in my mind, I was like, I'm never going to talk to this person again. I left that lunch so drained. It was like, I don't even want to invest any of my time, right? So. So for me, that resonated very, very clearly because my entire 45 years, we have shifted people in and out. <laughs> yeah, and women are a lot more adept at creating, at setting a perimeter um, for two reasons. One, women are wired to function on social architectures. Yes. Men are wired to focus on logical architectures. What I mean by that is a social architecture for our women 
it, a lot of people talk about, okay, men are so aggressive. Women are just as aggressive, Oh yeah. but their tactics are social yes. shame, right? Value systems of like, oh, well, did you hear about so-and-so? Uh-huh. That's how they show aggression. Men are physical, which is also why we don't really connect very well. Um, unless we understand that, right? right? Because we're like, well, why didn't you just pop her in the mouth and be done with it? And girls are like, well, why didn't you just shame her haircut? We think <laughs> very, very differently. And so that's why it makes sense to move people out. And women, and this is why it's important for men to pick their queens appropriately, because when you're out working and doing things, they're the ones that also are the ones creating the, the harmony inside those sanctums. Right. Hence the idea behind the homemaker. So a lot of times we now look at the homemaker as a negative because we want them in the corporate workplace and doing everything. But you're doing the same function for the corporation that you should be doing for oh, your yeah. home, creating yes. peace and mediation and, and, and a wholefulness. And so women find the perimeter system so much easier to manage because guys are binary. Yeah, I don't like them. Cut them out. I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're also status driven. So if a man with status says something we don't like, we will beat ourselves up over that. Right. Because he has a status I don't have, so I must be wrong. Right. So what setting the perimeter does is it allows you to stop the noise. It allows you to calm everything down because mm-hmm. the reality is if you're not intentional about setting the perimeter, everybody that shows up, you believe has the right to tell you where you should go. Yeah. And therefore you spend the energy spending on the idea, well, maybe they're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I will mm-hmm. fail. Maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe I'm name it. Interject right. your adjective of negativity here. The perimeter allows you to instead go, do they have what I want? Uh-huh. If so, do I care how they did it? Right. I'm going through this now. I know a lot of guys that have what I want, but they sold mm-hmm. their soul to get it. Yeah. So I look at it and I'm like, no. I don't want to do it that way because I care about my character more than anything. So I'm going to do it my way. Right. Does it mean I work slower? Yes. Am I okay with it? Yes. Mm-hmm. So these are all the audits that I teach with my clients so that they can stop the BS right. of downplaying who they are, right? Completely diminishing their light because somebody over here from somebody, third person's cousin from whatever, who has nothing but an ugly car and a bad house with a bad relationship. <laughs> they've had 12 different partners in the last 27 minutes. Right. Told you that it was bad. Right. I mean, that's, I'm obviously exaggerating this individual, but you understand that we all have that person out there. That's like, dude, who are you talking to? Like, why are you telling me not to do this? You can't budget your checkbook. You can't keep your car working. You have no sustainable relationships whatsoever in your life. Right. Why do you think your opinion matters to me? We've never given the framework Mm -hmm. to identify the priority. And that's what the setting the perimeter is meant for. So that you can take control of what you want to be, who you want to be and where you want to go and then filter out the people that can either help you get there or keep you from getting there. And the people that can help you get there become easier to spot, become you become oriented to that experience. Yes. But right now, having nothing, it's like throwing pots at a wall. Hope it sticks. Maybe, Maybe this person will help me. Maybe this person won't. But once you set the perimeter, you start to realize one, how many leeches you have. Mm-hmm. Human society is born on leeches. Like mm-hmm. two, how hard it's about to be for you. Because the minute you realize how many people are taking advantage of you, how long you've been going without setting boundaries, how many relationships are not serving you, you right. then get that, oh crap, now what? Now right. you have to figure out like, how do I do this? 
I'll leave you guys with one tip. If you go through that framework and you start to feel that pressure and that overwhelming, realize you are under no obligation to tell these people why or that you are even cutting them out. Right. You're only under the obligation to ensure that your resources and your, your, you know, experiences, time, bandwidth, whatever is managed. So therefore, if they text you, hey, you want to go get a beer? No. Hey, want to hang out? I can't. I'm busy. Well, what are you yeah. busy doing? Stop. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Don't Doesn't matter. The, you don't, the have, to, you don't have to spend they, any kind of energy. Yeah. The same way that they didn't think that they owed you anything to be a leech. Yeah. You don't owe them an explanation as to why they're gone. Yeah. And the more you do it, the more you get used to it, you also start to hold social contracts a lot more clear up front. Yes. Hey, listen, I got a lot going on. So I have to be able to say no to a lot. Yes. Right? And I talked to my team about this. I, I have a day job. I coach. I have a day job because I love my work and I work with my best friend and that's great. But, you know, I have my day job. I have my coaching group. I have my own business yeah. and I do bodybuilding and training. Right. Like, right. Those are my priorities. That means if somebody comes to me is like, hey, you want to get into crypto and Bitcoin or whatever? It's like, <laughs> like that sorry, shiny ball is not the yeah. shiny ball you need to go after. Right. And I feel yeah. you. Right. Because I'm I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I, I have a, my day job, like so successful job, high pressure. Mentioned to you before we even got on the call, I flew in, you know, from Illinois today. Wanted to make sure I got here just, you know, well for them, not just for you, but for my kids, right? And then, and then, you know, you have everything else, right? So I've got the, the coaching piece too. And, and I've got the other things that I just, that's, that's important for me. So I stay well-rounded and balanced, right? And so, when you end up filling so much of your time and your brain and your energy with the things that are actually important to you, those boundaries to your point become clear and clearer. It's easier to be like, no, if this is really important to me, if getting my time into the gym is important to me, if spending time with my family is important to me, you will purposely do things to make that happen. So that when you're in the moment with either your family or with your job or working on, you know, whatever that may be, your own projects, your own initiatives, you spend that time, focus so closely on that in that period of time. So when you move to the next thing, you can do the same thing, right? Yeah. And so you're, you're, you you're not like trying to do 15 things at once. Yeah. You those boundaries allow you to do that so, so well. Yeah. And, and you said something that really resonated with me just now that, that I think is important is there's so many people out there that leverage cliche statements. Like if it's, if, if you, if you don't have time, then it's not a priority. It's not that you don't have time. It's an excuse, right? They say these things, but nobody, very few are in the business of saying, this is how you decide your priorities. Right. That is what the set the perimeter was built for was yeah. to, to close that, that algorithm, right? Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's not that you don't have enough time. It's just not a priority. That's true. But how do you know what is a priority? And to your point, you're a mom, you're a wife, you're a business person, you're a coach. Those to you are extremely, extremely important. Right. Which means getting asked to go do something that does not serve that is no longer a priority. And it does two things for you. One makes it easy to say no, because right. you're just like, that's not in my line. Right. But two, it removes the guilt because a lot of people <gasps> underestimate yes. how much guilt you feel yes. when you're prioritizing yourself. Detach emotionally from the empathy of telling somebody no. Yes. Listen, it's not you. It has nothing to do with you mm -hmm. telling them they're a bad person or whatever. It has everything to do with you saying, listen, I have a very select set of yes. priorities. 
Yeah. This does not align with that. And therefore I don't have to feel guilty about telling you no, because it's not me telling you no. It's right. me saying yes to my priorities. It's me saying, this is what I focus on. Right. You can join me. Yeah. I'm starting to be going this way. So you can be on board or you can't. So it takes away that guilt. And that's a very important part of this whole focus. When you start to set your priority, your, your perimeter, you stop feeling guilty for not listening to people. You start feeling empowered to say no. You right. start to develop the skill set to identify and discern who matters and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. And lastly, you start to free up time. It got to, I played video games for two days the other day because my team had it. I don't, yeah. I love video games. I don't play video games anymore. I got so much on my plate. I'm busy. It's not serving me. I played this video game for two days straight. I wasn't feeling well, two days straight. You know what my team said to me? So glad you got some rest. <laughs> I prioritized them for so long. They hoped I got rest. Yeah. That's how you nurture your inner sanctum. Yeah. I told my team, listen, guys, my bad. I apologize. I was like, listen, I didn't do any of the things I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. um, that's on me. I broke my integrity. I'm taking responsibility for that. I will get them done. They're like, well, what were you doing? I was like, I was honestly just taking a breather and playing video games and just yep. putting me first for just a bit. Turn it off. And, and every on single one of them was like, well, can we do any of that stuff for you? Because we need you ready to go. Yeah. Because you're the guy. You're the guy expanding everything. You're the guy. If you burn out, we all burn out. Right. And so that was a an epiphany, even for me learning this system of like, it also creates the space for you, for you. Mm -hmm. and it's important to create the space for you because that's how you serve others. We're all a finite resource. Right. Energy, life, time, it's finite. It's not infinite. The better you set your perimeter, the better you can prioritize it, the better you can make people feel like they're more important. Yeah. Right. And it just occurred to me, I should add this one thing. <laughs> it's a different frame of reference to the whole guilt thing. If you are giving time to energy vampires, enemies, mm -hmm. bad people, people that don't add from you, what you're effectively saying is that the people that do add to you are not as important. Yeah. Let that sink in. Think yeah. about what that would feel for you if you're giving everything to these people and they focus on the negativity of these people over here. Yep. That aren't even in their life. They don't even care, yeah. but you're here. You're there. You're, you're dressing their wounds. You're helping them out. You're moving them forward. Meanwhile, you're like, hey, you're good. And they go, yeah, but this person over here said I'm not. So I'm going to put all my energy into that and F you person who's doing everything mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. So when you frame it with that, it takes away a lot of the pressures that we feel. Yep. No, that's Focus so true. That are in your inner sanctum. And it, it goes a long way on a many, many factors. So we got, you got some good kudos in the chat, just so you know. Uh, framework is eye-opening. This is awesome stuff. And I know you... Uh, you have just a great plan for people. Like if they want to join your coaching group and learn more about what you've got, um, can you kind of share? And I put them on here, your Instagram, both your personal and Heroes Veritas, the website. Are the, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Uh, I'm sure getting on your, your, I'm on your newsletter, which is great. You know, all that, that kind of fun stuff. So what's the best way yeah. for people to learn more? I'm mostly active on Instagram. I'm a very aesthetic type person. I like visuals. Um, so Instagram is the best. I do answer my DMs. I might be slow um, to respond, but I do respond. Um, HeroesVeritas.com, if you want to know what we're doing, we have a big future layout. Um, yeah. So it's just exciting for stuff the you got coming in. Yeah, so that, that's been fun. So like, that's my baby, if you would. Like, if you want to get me excited and talk for five hours, you talk to me about that. But if you go to the website, it has all there. Um, Coaching, I, I do have a couple spots for one-on-one -on -one coaching um, awesome. right now. 
Um, thanks to my team, they freed me up to do that. Uh, but right now the team is working to get a group set up, a uh, coaching group uh, releasing in January. Um, so Great. in that, uh, we're calling that the sovereign's table. And so the sovereign's table is really just getting you a seat um, to spend time with people, network, learn some skills. We'll do weekly calls and things like that. Um, and then we're also going to be putting together some curriculum so you can do self-guide, self-paced stuff similar to set the perimeter or developing leadership skills or things like that to just kind of sweeten the deal uh, with part of the group. Um, so that's that's coming as well. And then actually November 15th, registration opens up for Sovereign Summit, which is a live event in Texas. Um, nice. So we're bringing speakers out and we go deep into this stuff. So day one, we frame it. Day two, we develop like communication relationship sides. And then day three, we give you a map for six months. So when you leave, you know exactly the things that you're going to hit, the perimeters you need to set, the things you need to work on um, leaving that. So we're looking forward to that. We have a lot of entertainment planned for that as well. Um, so that should just be a fun and great time. That's all exciting stuff. Um, a whole bunch more details online at yourveritas.com. Once again, Tim, thank you so, so much for joining us this evening. It's been fantastic. Um, and uh, hopefully, if you want to come back, come back. We'll pick a different topic. I'd, I'd love to chat with you again. And uh, I hope you have a great evening. Thanks, everyone who joined live. And uh, feel free to reach, us, reach out to us either via Instagram or LinkedIn if you want to know more. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. Thank you for tuning in to Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.